0: Her Strings offers an available for hire network of vetted professionals who specialize in serving women. When you have a life event that has suddenly made money a priority, you can now move forward with a whole new confidence that you're getting advice and services from savvy professionals who are uniquely equipped to serve your needs. Go to pursestrings.co and use our directory of handpicked financial professionals when you're ready to plan for retirement, navigate divorce, buy your next home, fire up your new business and more. Go to pursestrings.co or check the link in the show notes. Now you can be financially fearless.
1: Thank you, fearless listeners, and go you for hitting play. Please like and subscribe as it helps us grow. Also, share this with a friend as we have to keep talking about this shit. Now let's dive in. Coming up on today's edition of Women and Money, The Shit We Don't Talk About, our guest is Candy Wolf. We happened to meet Candy over social media, and once she found out about purse strings, we connected. And we're so glad we did. Candy is going to share her powerful story with us today. We are grateful that Candy will share her experience of traveling on vacation with her husband, and her world turned upside down when she woke up one morning to find her husband had died of a heart attack overnight her story is a powerful one. And unfortunately, one we hear far too often. Let's dive in and hear about Candy's story.
0: Gloria Steinem once said, We will never solve the feminization of power until we solve the masculinity of wealth. Barbara Provost and Maggie Nielsen are the team at Purse Strings that will help you navigate the ins and outs of financial independence so that you can be financially fearless. This is Women & Money, the shit we don't talk about.
1: Hey, Candy. Welcome to the Purse Strings podcast. We are so honored to have you here today and share a bit about your personal story. Before we dive in, can we learn a little bit about you?
2: Yeah. um, First of all, I want to thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I think that what you guys do is amazing and I'm excited to be here to be able to help one more woman, hopefully. So I live in Minnesota currently. I am a mother of three boys. I am the event manager for x So I take care of all of the events for the whole state of Minnesota And in the meantime, I've started writing a book about my whole situation in Kabul from my husband passing to all the financial stuff. And then um, we're gonna actually put in, in the end of the book, my recent trip back down there to spread his ashes as well. So that's super exciting for me. So I am very, very busy between work, my book, and then my youngest is a senior. So we're trying to figure out colleges and all that fun stuff this year. Um, So navigating that, it's very interesting.
3: Yeah. Sounds like a lot going on for you. Because this is fairly recent, right? I I would just love you to kind of start at the beginning of your story about going on vacation with your husband and, you know, share what you'd like to about the situation and what happened. How does that sound?
2: Sounds great. So yeah, it is recent. It was just actually nine months on last Friday would have been The nine month anniversary. So, in January, I turn was turning fifty last January, and you know, through COVID and everything, we just hadn't really had a vacation. You know, you just nobody was going anywhere. So, Mm -hmm. last fall, I told my husband, I'm like, we got to go somewhere. This the two of us. We need to get out. You know, get away, get away from the kids, and so let's go celebrate. You know, my fiftieth, and we love Kabul. Like every ever since we went there. Starting in 2012, we just fell in love with it. So it was, of course, the place of choice. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a dear friend that has a house down there, and that's normally where we stay every time. Well, this time it was kind of different. The house was already um, being used the week that we had booked our vacation. So we thought, okay, well, we'll stay at a resort and close to Kabul, you know, where we can walk everywhere. And we'll be right down on Madonna Beach, and it will be different experience, and it will be fun. Uh, So we went um, the end of January of 23, and the first um, few days, I guess kind of back at my husband had had a hip surgery and a knee surgery last year as well. So taking into account, like looking back at things, it was, I had thought some of the tiredness and everything was from surgery. So got it, got um, it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let you know that. So, you know, the first day we got there, super excited. So we walked the beach down, you know, downtown Cabo and back. And right away, his knee, you know, his knee was hurting and he was tired. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not good, you know. So he went and rested. And, you know, we had a good, you know, four days down there celebrating. But it was interesting, you know, he had been tired a whole bunch and was sleeping. And I just figured it's, you know... We've just been walking and doing so much that Mm
1: -hmm. that's
2: why he was tired. Well, uh, January 27th, um, 23, I woke. my phone rang, actually. uh, It was 7-11, and it was uh, Dodge of Burnsville calling about my car. And so, of course, I answer it and, you know, talk to him about my car's ready to get fixed. And I was like, I'll call the kids. You know, they'll come pick it up. It's all good. You know, you think it's a regular day. I had um, looked over because funny, I have restless leg syndrome and my husband snores so much. So (laughs) I ended up sleeping on the pullout that night just because my legs were so bad. And so when I got off the phone, I kind of just looked over and he was really still and it was super quiet. And I'm like, this is kind of really strange. And his head was kind of buried into the sheets a little bit. And so I got up and walked around and I felt his feet and they were cold and I climbed on the bed and, you know, was touching his back and he wasn't breathing and he was, he was cold. At that point, I, I knew that he was not alive. So of course, you know, I'm crying and screaming and pounding on him to, to wake up. (laughs) And, um, I kind of was able to get him rolled over a little bit to see, you know, that he was blue. So, you know, at that point, I, you're in Mexico, and I think, okay, I, I call down to the main desk, I pick up the phone, I hit zero, hoping somebody will answer that, you know, that it's the same there as in here. And the front desk answered, um, right away, um, you know, I was hysterical, and they were trying to call me down, telling me they were going to send up the doctor and send up security, and I needed to go and lock the door. Um, so I went over and locked it, unlocked it, and then they came back and I got back on the phone and they were like, just stay with us, you know, until everyone gets up there. They had come, I dropped the phone, not even thinking about it. They put the oximeter, you know, right on his finger. And of course there was nothing, you know, and basically they all kind of just left me (laughs) in the room. It was, (laughs) you know, they're like, yeah, he's, he has passed. So they kind of leave and I'm sitting there with my husband
3: oh my gosh what were you supposed to do did they give you any instruction or call call or
2: my gosh they're like I guess they just said we'll be back and but that was about it you know so I got up on the bed and I was holding you know holding him and I he had a silver um cross necklace that I had bought him a while ago and just in my head I just felt like God was telling me, you need to take that off. You got to get that off of him. And so I, you know, unhooked it and, you know, it was kind of getting, you know, stiff because rigor mortis had set in. So I got it off, stuck into my pocket. And then this girl walks in or knocks and comes in and she becomes my, literally my guardian angel for the rest of the time. Um, She was one of the, a staff member from the resort who walked in and she, you know, introduced herself and she's like, I'm going to be here with you through this whole thing. So, you know, just know that you can trust me and I'm, I'm here to help, you know, and she's bilingual. So which helped. Mm -hmm. Um, But the first thing she asked was, where's your husband's phone? And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's like the last thing I'm thinking about where his phone is. And I'm like, I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know. And she's like, we have to find your husband's phone. So she starts searching around and she ends up finding it right before first set of police come in and sticks it in her pocket. And then the police, this is the first round, they escort me out. You know, she's like, okay, we have to leave. So I went to try to grab my purse, you know, to take with me. And they're like, nope, this is a crime scene. You can't touch anything. Oh, my gosh. Anything. Yeah. They're like a crime scene? Oh, my good! You know course, then panic sets in. And sure, because
3: you're in Mexico.
2: Exactly. And I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> so I wasn't able to take anything with me. Um, I did have my phone in my pocket, and she had my husband's phone. So, um, so they brought me to another room because they're like, we have to do the investigation, you know. And I'm like, okay. And by this, you know, I'm like literally out of my mind. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not real, like totally... It's a bad, bad dream. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's what it's like, Yeah. am I going to wake up and this is going to be over? But it wasn't. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so then they took me to another room and then the U.S. Embassy ended up calling me, telling me kind of what, you know, was going to happen, you know, about um, I had to make a decision whether or not I was going to cremate him, Mm -hmm. I was going to ship him back. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is all like within an hour of me oh my like realizing my husband had passed. It was really, and really, really insane. <laughs> so anyways, it probably was a good four or five hours, you know, that they did the investigation and, you know, all that stuff up in the room. And, but um, my friend was with me the whole time and, you know, she kept trying to get me to eat, to take a shower. And I was like, are you kidding me? I, I don't want to eat. I don't want to shower. I want my stuff. I want my husband. And um, but she was really, really sweet, sweet, sweet angel. So, you know, in the meantime, I'm calling my mother-in-law, calling my parents. Um, my middle son, who's 20 well, he was 20 at the time, was staying with the youngest who was a junior at that point, and my so my mother-in-law is arizona winterbird and my parents are winterbirds so um my all my parents and the first thing my dad wants to do is you know he's in um down by like goodyear area some more southern um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not uh, tucson down that way but um anyways he's like all right we're driving down <laughs> i'm like are you kidding me you are not driving through mexico you're Guys are going to be eighty years old. You're not driving through Mexico, and mm-hmm. I'm like, Dad, I need you back in Minnesota with the kids. I have no idea how long I'm going to be here. I'll deal with this. You know, just pack your stuff and get to Minnesota. So they pack their stuff up and drove straight up to. I don't can't remember how many hours it was um, to get here to the kids, and my mother-in-law is in Tucson. So an uncle flew down. To get her to fly her back as wow. well. So meantime, everybody was home and I was in Mexico <laughs> dealing with all of this. So it was, it was nuts. Um, you know, so you get all those phone calls yeah. done. And then, um, finally I'm able to, they said, we have to move your rooms. Do you want to go see your husband? And I thought that's probably the last time I was going to see him. Mm-hmm. So of course I said, Yes, 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 I do. And thank God that, like, so the bellman, a couple of them came with me and and my other friend from the resort, and they had yellow tape, you know, on the door. And, of course, oh we were gosh. on the eighth level, the top floor. And, you know, everyone by that time is, you know, there's chaos going on. So mm-hmm. everyone's staring at you. And, um, you know, they did the best to try to keep people away. But mm-hmm. um, as soon as I saw that yellow tape, like, I just got nauseous and they took it down. And like, when I walked around, they had him completely flipped over and, you know, it, so it had been almost 13 or 14 hours since he had passed. So Mm -hmm. he looked obviously horrible and I literally fell to my knees. The bellman, Mm -hmm. you know, picked me up and brought me over there. And um, so I was able, you know, to spend a few minutes with him, mm-hmm. telling him I love him, you know, and um, before the coroner took him to go do the autopsy. And here then we have my room, it, and I'm not kidding, it looked like a raid. It was, <laughs> yeah. you know, they had all the drawers pulled out, stuff was everywhere. And um, they, but so they had stuff like the drawers out and, you know, I guess the stuff was everywhere, but it was like a mess, like in a pile. If that makes what were they
1: looking sense. for? Just looking through
3: everything?
2: just looking, Yeah, because just to make sure, because they said,
1: no drugs, well, there no, no harm to anyone else. Well, yeah.
2: no puncture, you know, wounds, cuts, no broken glass. Yeah. No, like I, you know, had did something mm-hmm. to him, I mm-hmm. guess, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. kind of what they were ruling out. Um, And so all the police leave. And all so the bell men start putting my stuff. I mean, I didn't get a pack. It was just the place had piles of crap and they put it on the cart and they were bringing me down um, to another room. And I just remember we had bought all this food cause it was a little kitchenette and looking at the Bellman and I'm like, well, you guys need this food. I'm not going to eat it. You know, yeah. <laughs> so take it. And they're like looking at me. They're like, no, you, you might want. I'm like, no, I'm not going to eat. You need it. Take it. I, you know, and like I demanded it. Like they, I, you know, I was in such shock. And yeah. They're like, I'm like, if you guys don't split it up, I'm splitting it up. So you guys figure out what you want. Otherwise, I will figure it out for you. <laughs> and they're probably looking at me going, this lady is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we get down to the new room and my other, you know, my friend from the hotel, she's like, all right, now we need to find your wallets. And so we dig through and I find my husband's wallet. I open it up all the cash is gone. What? Yeah. And so then I find my purse, open it up. All my cash is gone. No. Yeah. And I, I just start crying. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like they stole all of my money. And so she's like, "It, it was funny because, you know, I was in such shock, but my friend, she had scanned the room. Like, that's what she was doing. Like, and I didn't know it, but she was looking at everything we had out, like taking an inventory of it. She's like, Where are all those uh, cohibas, those cigars? You know, because my husband was, he loved cigars. And so we, um, I, the night before, I bought him two packs of cohibas. And then we had went to San Jose and watched him roll cigars. So I'd bought him five of those. So there would have been like 15 cigars. They're gone. Um, oh my God. Go. Okay, let's see. So then she's like, gets out a piece of paper and she's like, all right, now we had to document all this. And so then it was like, all his Oakleys were gone. We had some clothing that was gone. They even took my contact lenses, which I'm like, why Who took why? all this stuff? The police. And so we, we made a report and talked to the um, the general manager whatever. And he said, well, we can submit this to the police. But here's the case is three different sets of police went through. So he, we have no idea who took all this. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We're going to submit this to the police. I'm in Mexico and they're going to know I'm accusing them of stealing all my stuff. My husband's passed. And I'm like, no, I don't want. To do right. a report. And right? I'm like, when I get back into the US, that will be another story, you know, but I'm like, who steals stuff from someone that just lost their, their spouse, but it's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. So here I am in Mexico, no cash whatsoever, you know, credit cards, but um, yeah, that was an interesting day. Um, the funeral home person, you know and it you know come during that time as well and you know ask you know so what do you want to do and it's like well i said he came with me down here so he's going home with me um so i'm going to have him cremated you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. and then it was the right choice to make i believe because talking with people it's so expensive i guess by the time you buy the casket and then yeah. you have to pay for the airfare and it you know and here i'm thinking I have no money right now. Like, what What am I going to do? And so, uh, you know, we decide, decided to cremate him so he could come home with me in his little box. So the next, that, so that day we talked about it and it's like, okay, this is what's going to happen, but they have to do the autopsy first and then we'll go from, from there. She's like, I'll call you, but you have to do an interview. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, I've never been through this before. So I'm naive Mm
1: -hmm. and I'm an
2: interview. I don't think anything of it. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. And it's like, well, I'll come pick you up at nine o'clock in the morning. We'll go do it. All right. So next morning, the funeral home person comes and gets me and we're driving. And she's like, so that's where he'll be cremated. That's my office. There's the funeral home. And then we just kept driving. And at that point, I'm like, where are we going? You know, so I take out my phone Text my brother in law and I'm like, FYI, I am in the car with the lady from the funeral home. No idea where I'm going, but just know who I'm with right now.
3: Right. Were but you yeah, scared? So I bet you were scared.
2: At one point, I was, yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, where are you taking me? So then I finally did ask. I'm like, so where are we going? And she's like, go oh, to the police station. At that point, I, I wanted to throw up in her car because I'm like, I'm never going home. Like, I'm gonna go to this police station and I'm going to jail. Like oh my they're gonna, gosh. you know, that's all I could think in my head. And it was funny because my Apple Watch is like going off when your heart rate is abnormally high. Oh, no. Like, yeah, it is. It was yeah, so super crazy. So we walk in and get into this room where there's one girl and then two detectives, and they're they're big guys and they're sitting behind their desks with their arms crossed and their legs crossed and, you know, straight face on them. And I am just, I'm trying my best to hold this together because I know they're the ones that took everything from me. Oh, yeah. And I have no control of anything right now. You know, it's, my life has completely spun out of control. So I was able to keep my phone and I was texting with my brother in law and they're speaking Spanish. And so I, we were there for three hours and I kind of just sat there and they were, you know, going back and forth asking questions. And then, you know, she would ask me a little bit and then the funeral home lady was interpreting for me. And I just, I remember just telling everybody he's so cold. He's so cold. You know, like that was what kept going through my head. And, you know, all I heard her say was muy frío, muy frío. So Mm -hmm. I knew Mm -hmm. they were talking. About that. That's like a few words I know. (laughs) Um, then probably they kept asking about the phone. Why the why was the phone off the hook? And I'm like, Are you kidding me? Like, my husband's dead, and you want to know why the phone was off the hook? And so I just was like, I'm sure I just dropped it. You know, I was talking with the the people down the front desk people, Mm -hmm. and they told me to stay on the phone until someone came and like, I'm sorry, but it was the last thing I thought to hang up the phone. I just dropped mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So finally, I looked at the, the lady that I was with and I'm like, is anyone going to tell me how my pu- husband died? And it was like, no big deal. They're, the right other mouth was, oh, made a massive heart attack. And I'm like, so why am I yeah, sitting here being questioned about all this? And you knew he died of a massive heart attack. And, you know, they're like, no puncture wounds. None. And I'm like, of course not, you know. Yeah. But yet I'm being, you know, interrogated in a sense of stupid things. So that went on. But literally a taxi my brother-in-law the whole time. And they, he had a, we have a really good friend that actually had a, an attorney on die on speed dial for me if oh, I needed God. it. Because, good. you know, yeah. what do you do? <laughs> yeah. yeah So
3: did they finally let you go and let you go home?
2: So they let me, yeah. So they it was like a little over three hours, and they finally left. And oh, I guess I step back to I guess what completely took me by surprise was when we walked into the room, the detectives' room. They had a file, two files, and one was Ross Lindsay Walhoff, and the other was Candace May Wolf. And so that's why I guess you know, two like went right, and I walked in. I'm like, oh my god, they have a file on me. Yeah, I'm going to prison. <laughs> you know. Oh god. So. It was in, insane three plus hours. So, yeah, so at that time, then it was finally I had to um, identify, you know, he had a tattoo, you know, and it was, uh, he had the Theater of Pain, the Montley Crew tattoo on his leg. <laughs> and I'm trying to explain to him, I'm like, it's a happy smiley face, theater, you know, and they have no idea. So I'm Googling Montley Crew Theater of Pain. <laughs> yeah. Him. I'm like, this is what it looks like. And like, yes, yeah, so like okay yeah that's that's him so then I get to go back to the hotel and then she tells me that she has to talk with the coroner to see you know when we could they can do the um the cremation you know because right at this point this was Friday we were supposed to be leaving Saturday mm-hmm. so I then have to you know call Delta and try to figure out when I'm going home and which I don't know because they have no way of telling me when I'm going home and so anyways um we get back to the, the hotel and she's like, okay, I will call you and let you know when the cremation will take place, when I'll have the paperwork and all that. So just go relax, have fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh You're what in Capo. Yeah. <laughs> so um, my friend, again, from the resort met me right away and she's like, you know what? Just go sit down on, on the beach. You just go talk to him, go sit down, go enjoy yourself as much as you can, you know, the, the ocean is so healing and Mm -hmm. like, just, you know, go talk to God and just go cry, go do whatever you need to do, but go down by the ocean. So I did, I spent that afternoon down there. And then later that day found out I would get the um, ashes at around noon on Sunday. So then I could make my plane, you know, everything to go my plane arrangements to go home get the driver. So, which was good. So finally, Monday, um I got home probably like at 10 o'clock Monday night. What a
3: relief, huh? To get yeah, out of there. it
2: was, oh my gosh, you have no idea. <laughs> and it was, it was crazy because, you know, you go to the airport and here you have this box of, you know, my husband's in a bag and this heavy crazy? box, you know, and I have all the paperwork And I have to say Delta was absolutely amazing because as soon as I walk in, you know, go through the line, the guy asked me, you know, why were you here? And of course I start crying and like, well, it was for my 50th and my husband's in here. And he messaged, he must've like called somebody. I was able to get right up. There was a red jacket lady up there um, moving me up, getting me the best seat possible and saying they're going to take care of me. And so nice. that was really, really nice you know that it's like they yeah. knew how stressed out I was so they yeah, took care of it. yeah yeah so, so you know yeah. you think that's the end and then you get home <laughs> right
3: then you get home and yeah I mean did you have to wait did you have to pay for the cremation and all that how did you pay <laughs> well, for yeah. that
2: gosh yes forgot to tell about that that was an interesting story <laughs> so before we could even have him cremated she had picked me up Okay, so Saturday, I was at the police in the morning for those three hours. Whatever brought me home back to the hotel, I spent three four hours outside. She picked me up later on that day, and we had to so I could go pay for the cremation. And um, the girls at the my friend at the hotel was like. Use your husband's credit card because I believe if you use that, you, you know, he's passed away. You won't have to pay for it. Your name's not on it. And then all I can think about is that's fraudulent. I'm going to, I would get in trouble for that. Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. passed. like, I can't do that. So here I pull out my American Express and she's like, oh, we don't take American Express. Oh my God. And it's $1,700. So, you know, I'm like, well, I've got to charge it because. Mm-hmm. You know, I have no cash to pay you. um, And so then I take out my Verizon card or, I don't know, it was my Apple, my, yeah, my Apple card and tried it, declined, you know, because I'm in a foreign country. So then I take out my Verizon credit card, hand it, and at least right away they pinged me, you know, and said, fraudulent mm-hmm. activity, is this you or not? So right then and there, I was able to Good. talk to someone and get that process. So that was... um you know, stressful because I'm like, okay, now great. I can't even pay for him to take him home because you don't take my American Express card. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So when you
3: got home, did you have any financial people to call? Like, let's focus on your finances, right? Like, what are the next things that you do?
2: So that's, you know, I thought my world was upside down when my husband passed, but then, you know, I got home and, um, you know, we had, joint accounts. So I knew how much was in our checking and savings accounts. As far as that, um, he took care of his, you know, 401k and our credit cards were separate. But I guess, you know, when you get home, I really wasn't thinking about that. My thought was, okay, now I got to start planning the funeral. So, but I'm, you know, you have a stack of mail. And Mm -hmm. so one of the first things I opened was a letter stating that Ross had pulled the last, bit of the 401k money before we left. He had not been working the last couple of years. And and so that's what had been helping pay the bills. I knew it was getting low, but I didn't know he, he closed out the account. So that was a complete shock to me looking at our, you know, checking savings, like I have $60,000, you know, I, that's, that's all you I, had I knew, left. Yeah. I knew, you know, life insurance, but you know, but right at that time, it's like, how am I going to do this? I have $60,000 and, you know, I work, but our bills are way more than what I make. So thank God my dad's a finance guy. (laughs) So he's like, all right, we'll call Kevin because I knew, I knew Kevin was the fight or the, you know, the finance guy. It was someone he went to high school with. I'd never met him before, but I just knew Kevin takes care of his finance. They're the 401k and the kids 529s. Mm Mm-hmm. So my dad's like, well, let's let's focus on getting the funeral um, and we'll deal with this, you know, little by little. But then to top everything off, I had already scheduled a surgery for a week after we got back from Mexico down in Rochester, down at the Mayo Clinic. And I'm like, I got to cancel the surgery. I can't do it. My dad's like, nope, I'm taking you down there. You're going to do it. We're here to help. And um you're getting the surgery, you're, you know, Ross would want it. And I'm like, oh my, what, what else can we add to the plate here? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, here I know I have like $60,000 and I show up and the insurance thing hadn't went through yet. So they're like, well, you ins- this really isn't paid for. So you need to sign that you'll pay $30,000 if the insurance doesn't approve the oh my God. surgery. And I'm like, oh Lord. Um, you know, what do you do? You're, you're there. And yeah. So like, well, it's in God's hands. Hopefully it comes through. And um, so I guess my dad, I don't remember this, but it must've been when they put drugs in me or whatever. um, I told him that, or they had told me insurance approved. So that was kind of a a relief at least (laughs) for there. So, so anyway, so, you know, that week we were home, but from the time I got home to the surgery, my dad, you know, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. What we pay, I have no idea. My husband took care of everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know who who that where the house payment is. I don't know the utilities. I i i know our insurance guy is his cousin, who I know. Think you know, mm-hmm. um, life insurance. I am sure it's in the lockbox. Well, thank goodness for my child for remembering, because I'm like, I don't even know how to get into the lockbox. I don't remember the code. <laughs> So yeah, so you get home, you're dealing with a death and then your finance, you have no idea what's going on, like what's going to happen to your, your life. Yeah. Because I, I was that person who, you know, was just sat back and said, okay, you got it. You know, we're, we're fine. You know, he was just a very traditional man. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, then you start digging through, it's like, okay, so How much is our house payment? Who does the house payment go to? Utilities are all in his names. Oh, guess what? The vehicle's all four. The vehicles are all in his name. Nobody else's names. (laughs) You know, so you start digging into all of this and it's, it just starts snowballing and you just, you don't even know where to begin. It's, it's a lot. It is.
3: But he did have life insurance.
2: Yes. So, which was good. Um, and that was a little bit of uh, a struggle as well, being that he died out of the country mm. um, and it was two different. One was through state farm and one was through um, what it used to be the, the general, I don't know who it is yeah. now, but that's who it was with. And so I had a state farm agent, but I did not have an agent for the other one. Mm-hmm. So I had to take care of that like all on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and, State Farm actually—it's just funny. Like when I had the agent, and he was amazing, but I had to do a, an interview. They had to do an investigation. They sent somebody to Cabo. Then they had—they got all the paperwork. They back, sent which, somebody to Cabo. Yeah, because the lady told me that five percent of of deaths outside the United States that have life insurance are fraudulent. Like people are really alive. Oh. So, <laughs> I'm like, oh, she's like, and I, I'm not saying that this is you, right? But it's their policy, like that's yeah. what they have to do. She's like, we're not, you know, it was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. She's like, it's not like millions, but yeah. And the funny thing is, we had had that policy for like fourteen years, and I think we had the general for like four, and that was you know like two hundred and fifty thousand as well. Um, I ended up getting the general's life insurance with me doing everything within three weeks wow! and it took almost five months to get state farms. So, wow! but it was a relief, well, at least when that money did come through yeah, because you needed it. Yeah, I did. And then all of a sudden you think, Oh my gosh, this has to last me till I die now, you know? Yeah. Like, what do you do? So, what do you do? So it's tough, you know? And not knowing, not knowing passwords to get into the phone, not knowing the password to get into his computer, not knowing how to get into his email. Um, we even took his computer up to the police station, which is right around the corner from me. And I asked them, I'm like, is there any way you guys can get into this for me? Because my husband passed, you know, I had death certificates from yeah. Mexico at least. And they're like, no, because we don't know. Mm-hmm if there is an ongoing investigation or anything Mm. so they couldn't help me but my middle son's an IT guy so he at least got me into the emails Mm -hmm. because as the house payment all the utilities everything was all electronic like I there's no paper trail so I didn't even (sighs) like where to begin
3: so you know we talked and I know you're writing a book right? Telling your whole story. Uh, But focusing on the financials, which is what purse Strings is all about, give us some advice that you would give to women based on everything that you've been through in your whole story.
2: My gosh, yes. That's why I am writing the book, um, Lost and Found in Mexico. And it's, you know, it's on that story, but it's also, it's tied into kind of what you guys do as well, which um, I think you guys do an amazing job, but it is knowing, um, Every couple, I don't know, I don't care who you are, needs to know like where where the money is. You know how much money there is. Who is your agents? You know who, who does the house payment go to? Where are you at on the house payment? Do you have a second mortgage on it? Um, you know vehicles. There should be two names on those vehicles, mm-hmm. not just one um, thing. Goodness, we you know we had joint accounts at the bank, and you know I know the bank people very well, but we had to as soon as someone dies, they stop all automatic payments, which means every single utility, all of our house payment, everything got stopped, and everyone kept saying you have to make sure you pay your house because you cannot lose your house, you got to pay that house payment. I don't even know who to pay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, come at me because. Then I'll know who I'm supposed to pay.
2: Exactly. Um, yeah. And so, like, my name was was not the mortgage, but on the deed. So thank God it was on at least the deed of the house. But, yeah. That
3: uh, you were part of the. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Wow. But just
3: and just knowing oh, that, right? Where's my name? What am I? What are my responsibilities? That is so important.
2: It's so important. I mean, everyone needs to know where everything is like you need to know the accounts you, you know like with credit cards too i thank god you know he had like 3 of them that he kept in his wallet so i was able to call you know and get those canceled but if somebody has more credit cards than what they carry with them right what do you do what if someone gets a hold of because people do look at the obituaries and which I found out I had no, this is how naive I am, but they start pretending to be that person and they can start using anything that is in that name. And I would have, you know, never, I wouldn't know about it because they can change the address. They can do whatever they want to do. So just being open and having those conversations and making sure names, you have names on everything. Like, jointly. Right. It would save so many people so much trouble in the long run.
3: Yeah. And with that being said, we do have a family emergency guide, and we're going to put a link to that in the podcast notes, which is free for the taking. You can just click on that link and download it. It's very comprehensive. It has a lot of pages in it, but that's okay because it covers a lot of details. Get that printed off somewhere, either at home or at Staples or something put it in a binder and start filling it out. And then Candy, it has everything that you say is needed right in that guide, right? Wouldn't you be so thankful if you just came home to that guide?
2: You have no idea. Like after you and I talked and I I went on there and I printed it out and I'm like, this is a lifesaver. Like this, I mean, it would have opened up conversations for one because people, first of all, they don't like to have money conversations. Right, Mm -hmm. mm-hmm. or they never think anything's going to happen you know which is completely wrong i mean we we have no idea you know when we're going to go right and when i printed this out i'm like this is what i needed like beforehand <laughs> right right and i would have known what to do and i would have been able i mean even if he would have been stubborn and said well you really don't need to be on this or whatever at least I would have known, okay, this yes. is who our mortgage company is and this are the vehicles. Okay, I know I knew our vehicles were paid off, thank God. But I just I think so many people are just really naive, which I was. And like if I can tell my story and help one person be able to open up that conversation between them and their their spouse or their partner or whoever to um, make sure you know where you're at because there is nothing scarier than losing somebody and then knowing, not knowing where you're at. And the first thing my youngest son said to me, as soon as I walked through the door, when I got home from Mexico was, as it just always makes me tear up, but are we going to be able to stay in our house, mom? Oh, and I couldn't answer it because I didn't know. I didn't know. What we owed, I didn't know what our house payment was, and that was, I think, the worst thing. Is when your your kids are, you know, old enough to, yeah. you know, to to um, you know, he was a junior, so it, that's what he worried about was, yeah, do I get a state in my home? And I, you know, I looked at him and I said, I will do anything and everything to make sure you're able to stay here. I don't know, you know, I'm like. I have to figure out our finances. I got to figure out we are with everything. But, you know, that's the one promise I did make to him was somehow, some way, I'm not going to make you move, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Tough. Yeah. Okay. So we have a few minutes left. Tell us the name of your book, when it will be out, and where we can get it from.
2: Yes. Um, So it's called um, Lost and Found in Mexico, a Widow's Road to Recovery. Um, we are in the middle of it. We're shooting for like the first of the year. Um, and then I'm actually in the process of starting, a, a company, um, irreplaceably you. So once the website is up and going, you'll be able to buy it on that, but it will be on Amazon as well. The publisher will be taking care of that for me too. So people can buy it on Amazon and through the website once it gets going.
3: Awesome. Your story is so important, Candy. I mean, your ability to kind of reveal everything that happened, kind of your vulnerabilities of where you didn't know what you didn't know and what happened. Uh, We appreciate you coming on the Purse Strings podcast and really sharing it with us today because it's powerful. And unfortunately, we hear stories like this a lot. And so Purse Strings mission is to get women to start talking about money, providing free resources for women, so that they can open the conversation like the emergency guide that we'll be providing. But also if you need financial professionals to help you at any point in time, we have a whole directory of vetted financial professionals who are geared to serve women. Many focus on divorce, widows, special needs, LGBTQ, any situation that you're in, because Purse Strings wants to be that go-to resource candy so that women are in front of these situations and not kind of stuck in the situation like you were, where you just didn't know. You know, you just didn't know. I mean, no judgment at all. It's you were just doing what you were doing as your role in your family. But we need to realize that we need to step in and really be a part of the conversation.
2: Yes, for sure. And I'm so glad that we met before my book is being published as well, because I'm, I want, you know, to put you, your strings in there as a resource. Um, Cause I do want to have a resource page because what you guys do is so important. And I'm not kidding. Like it would have saved me months of stress yeah of, you know, having everything in one spot. So it's, I cannot ex- say it enough <laughs> that people need to get your packet, download it and fill it out and keep it somewhere, but they need it.
3: Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you, Candy, for coming on today and sharing your powerful story. Um, I'm sure you're going to help many, many women um, by sharing it. We hope to help as well by having them grab that guide and take care of themselves and their family just by completing it. So anything else to
1: add, Maggie? Uh, No. Yeah. Thank you again, Candy, for sharing your story. That was um really brave of you and we appreciate you sharing it so um yeah let's take some action dive into our financial conversations and thank you everyone today for listening so please like and subscribe and we'll talk to you all soon
3: Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment,
0: or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Purse Strings offers an available-for-hire network of vetted professionals who specialize in serving women. When you have a life event that has suddenly made money a priority, you can now move forward with a whole new confidence that you're getting advice and services from savvy professionals who are uniquely equipped to serve your needs. Go to pursestrings.co and use our directory of handpicked financial professionals when you're ready to plan for retirement, navigate divorce, buy your next home, fire up your new business and more. Go to pursestrings.co or check the link in the show notes. Now you can be financially fearless.